dives in for the touchdown. Did he get it? Yes, sir, he did. Touchdown to Point Lions. You're listening to The One Podcast. Hello and welcome to the One Pridecast. I'm Tori Petrie alongside Lomas Brown for this week 10 episode of the One Pridecast. Thank you, Lomas, for joining us. Thanks for having me. Hey. You came prepared today with your essential oils. I love it. Uh, I should have brought my diffuser too, Tori, so you could have been in on the experience of this. I'm telling you guys, it smells amazing in here. Lomas, what are we smelling? Well, right now I have some Energize, which is a mixture that they do, so it's a lot of different essential oils. Then I have straight peppermint, so I kind of mix them together, and the Energize gives me energy. So if I sound energetic during this interview, it's the essential oils. No wonder I'm feeling so pumped up for this podcast today right we need the tori a <laughs> i wish you guys could see this because lomas is waving around yeah. his uh little towel with to essential the, oil yes i want her to smell the essential oil as it circulates around in this room <laughs> this might be the best beginning of a podcast that we've ever had <laughs> and it smells amazing too so i'm all for it well, we're here to talk about Minnesota and the Lions' upcoming matchup against the Bears and a couple of pieces of Lions news this week. But before we get into that, yes. Lomas, how was uh, your trip to Minnesota? It was pretty good, Stor- uh, Tori. Got a chance to eat at a nice steakhouse there mm. in Minnesota. You know, everything was nice Saturday night. The hotel was nice. They put us up real fancy, so I got a good night of sleep. Went over there the next day. The stadium is beautiful, beautiful stadium in Minnesota. The spread, Tory, for us, for the people on the seventh floor. Hey, yeah. it was nice chicken and waffles. It was a nice spread. And then the game started, Tori. <laughs> then the game started. Minnesota's press box is one of the best. It's not. The that food is so good. The stadium, too, Tori. I was, that was my first time at the stadium. I was really impressed. I mean, Never seen a roof that was, you know, that can ha- have the ambiance come through because you can almost see through the roof. And it was, it's nice. It, was it really nice. is. Yeah. It's one of my favorite stadiums to visit. The press box food is always good. They have a little tea bar up there, and I'm a tea drinker, not a coffee drinker. <laughs> so I'll like make yeah. my little teas, and they have like little rock candy stirs. <laughs> so Minnesota is definitely one of the better stadiums. But as far as road trips go, we don't really stay close to any of the landmarks. Yeah. So. Minnesota is kind of like my built-in rest week. Yeah. I'll just go across the street, pick up some takeout, and take it back to my hotel room. I'll work out and, you know, have a little – I have a little Minnesota routine. Yeah, so just chill, I'm feeling uh, rejuvenated after yeah. my Minnesota – but that might be the essential oils, too, that I'm smelling that's oh, making me feel rejuvenated. Not Tori. I'm throwing <laughs> – may, maybe one conspiracy theory. Uh-oh. Remember, we fell back an hour. Could that have affected the guys? Oh, interesting. I mean, you know, I'm just thinking now. You see how the it's just clicking now, but I don't know. <laughs> we fell back an hour. Maybe we weren't prepared. Maybe we weren't ready. I just threw that out there for all you conspiracists <laughs> out there. Well, let's talk about this game. We talked about it on the post-game show, but, you know, Lomas, what did you feel like went wrong in this one? Oh, uh, Tori, should we start with what went right? I mean, that's <laughs> short. Oh, I mean – I, I thought the guys were ready. I really did. Thought that everything that was on the line, the opportunity to bring Minnesota closer to us, the opportunity, like they say, it's two for one to win that game and to win the nice road game against a team that was coming came into the season with Super Bowl expectations. And 
Tory, we fell on our face. We just flat fell on our face in that game. And it's hard to find the area that we were good in. You know, Matt Prather, you know, three for three. You know, other than that, I mean, it's hard, even individually, other than snacks, you know, it's hard to find anything that went right in that game. So it was just a total, and even the coaching. I mean, Coach Patricia and them said they have to coach it better. So even from that standpoint, uh, having those guys coached up and coaching it better. So to me, it was an overall failure. To me, worse than the first game, the mm. New York Jets game, to me, because, again, the, for that to happen this far in the season, you know, and the way we got dominated up front, it was just bad. So for you, it was more so about when this game came than it was the final score because obviously it was a little bit more of a beat down against the New York Jets, but this one's later in the season. You should be working out your kinks by now. Is that what it is for you? Absolutely. And you remember if we stay on coach's timetable, right, this is the time that we should start going, start peaking. So, and we're definitely not peaking right now. We, if anything, we're going the other way. So, you know, that's, that's kind of the most disturbing part about that to me. Yes. Yeah. So 10 sacks in Minnesota. It's a career high for Matthew Stafford. It was a a single game franchise high for the Vikings. So they had quite the day uh, when it came to getting Matthew Stafford on the ground. What happened there? You know, and and you're right. And so, Tori, so it it was three phases. It was Matthew, it was the offensive line, and it was the receivers. Because, again, every throw that almost Matthew made was in tight windows. We weren't getting separation as receivers. The O-line, yeah, I say probably about four or five of those sacks were schemes that they ran that we should have picked up, but we failed to pick up. And a a couple of them we got out physical. Three of those sacks, I say, probably were on Matthew with holding the ball. He Mm -hmm. has to get rid of the ball. He has to see this corner or this hot blitzer on the edge of the line of scrimmage, and he has to either get out of that play or he has to have a hot read. The receiver has to see that too and know that it has to be a hot read because this guy's coming free. It's not enough guys. Or they got to slide the line that way. The tackle has to see this free guy and say, hey, it's a cat blitz. I'm going to take this guy. Guard, you take my guy. Center, you're going to slide and take the guard's guy. Those are normally things that happen when you see blitzers coming off the end. Mm. We did none of that. And even when we had run plays, we still ran into the free guy out there. So, again, that went wrong. And then my fourth point, and I have to go here, is Coach Cooter and the offense. You, when your guys are having problems on each level like they were, then as an offensive coordinator, you have to settle your team down. You have to settle your offense down. So the way you do that, you start running plays that settle them down. They may be simple plays. It may be a screen play. It may be something where he just gets it out of his hand. You got to do something other than continuing to run the same game plan that you've been running for that game because obviously it's getting your quarterback hit, your offensive line can't pick up some of the things that they're doing, and your receivers aren't getting the separation to give your quarterback enough confidence to throw the ball in there. So everything snowballs, and that's what you have, a game you end up having the game with 10 sacks and nothing going for you. So it it was complete, Tori. It was complete. 
Yeah. I talked on Tori's take this week about how four of those 10 sacks came on third down. And we had talked earlier in the week, especially Tim Twentyman talked about uh, Golden Tate's role for Matthew Stafford on third third down, catching, I believe, 40% of Matthew Stafford's third down balls, which is pretty significant to be going to one guy. Uh, Did anything stick out to you about those several of those sacks being on third down? Was that significant at all? I mean, to me, it it, it is significant, but it isn't because, again, that's where I thought that the tight end would be incorporated more in the game plan because mm-hmm. you lost Golden. So you need somebody right to get those short yardage for you. Who's better than the tight end? You know, again, I thought Kenny Galladay. I thought he would be a guy because he's such a big body receiver, a guy that maybe you can line up in the slot and send him on slants to get those tough yards. You know, I thought something else that could be done that – I thought we had a game plan for Golden not being there. And after looking at that, we couldn't have. We couldn't have because I didn't see where we schemed anybody else or any other position to take the place of Golden Tate. I just didn't because, like you say, when Matthew was in trouble, he didn't have him to dump it off to like he normally does. And there was nobody else there for him to do it too. So, to me, I just think the whole thing we weren't—I don't think we were as prepared as we needed to be with the loss of Golden Tate. Remember, it happened during the week. It's hard to do that. Think about how much—I don't know how much he of the offense he accounted for, but you take that percentage of the offense that out of your offense, it's hard to replace that and. It shows on Sunday. Well, I think that's why he was so good is because you could dump it off to him and you could count on him to get more yards after you did. Yes. Because he was so good at yards after the catch. So, you know, you, you give it, you throw it to him on third and four or something like that, and he's able to pick up those extra yards because he was so good at yes. dodging defenders and, and finding his way up the field. So that definitely was uh, a tough one uh, for the Lions, but I don't think it's why they lost right. that game, I which is what Tori. I talked about on Tori's I take agree. because, you know, it, there were times where it became more evident of, okay, the offense is trying to figure out what they're doing without Golden Tate. Putting Theo Riddick in the slot, for example, was was an example of that. And I think that's natural to have that transition period, and I think that's totally normal. But just having Golden Tate on Sunday would not have changed the outcome of that game because, like you said, not a lot went right, and it wasn't just, oh, we were missing a receiver, and that's what went wrong in that game. No, there was a lot of things that went wrong. There was a lot of things. You're right. And then once it started going wrong on offense – you know, that compounds in the defense. And the defense, I thought, had a solid game. I thought they were solid. Of course, our Achilles heels is the big play. Yeah. But I thought they played solid. We got a turnover. Darius got us a turnover and everything. So, I really thought the defense had a solid game other than the penalties and the Wouldn't the be a podcast play. without oh, it. Oh, my goodness. Tori. That's just, I know. <laughs> it's just gotten to a point now, you know. <laughs> Seriously, Don't get you, you just expect it now. I'm every. I'm telling you, every special team play. Anytime we had a chance to return it, I just expected a penalty. I just do. I expect a penalty. So they just been killing us all year long. You know, I've been talking about it, and it rears its ugly head each and every. We were in the red zone. Remember, I think we had a false start. That started pushing us out the red zone. That was early. I think that was early in the game. So, again, we still have things like that that hurt us, and it's going to continue to hurt us until we stop doing it. 
Well, the Lions decided to make a change on special teams this week. They parted ways with special teams coordinator Joe Marciano. Uh, so that was a move that Coach Patricia made midseason. Of course, you always say it's a hard move to make in the middle of the season. Good guy. We liked him on our staff, but we just felt like some changes needed to be made. And I think it really came down to just the penalties in the field position that, that was happening uh, with those special teams plays. And that definitely was an area they need to improve in. Yeah, and not to be controversial or anything, but it's probably hard. It probably was hard on Coach, too, uh, Marciano, with all the – think about all the guys we kept bringing in throughout the season. I mean, it's hard when you change over and you have guys get hurt, but you bring in so many different guys and all the guys that we were bringing in, a lot of those guys were on special teams. So I know you try to get continuity on special teams and it just seemed like it didn't work out this year. And I thought he was a good coach, you know, but again, sometimes it doesn't, it's not a fit. It's not always a fit. And that didn't seem to be a fit here, especially from where he came from because a couple of years ago, I mean, Lions were one of the top special teams in the league and where we went this year is just it's just kind of hard. So you know somebody will fall on the sword then. Yeah, yeah. Always tough to see coaches go in it the middle is. of the season or, or any time really. He was a good man too because <laughs> I talked to Coach a couple of times. So he was a good man. So you're right. It is. Yes, we wish him, wish him the best of luck, but we've definitely got to see some changes in terms of yes. how that special teams unit is playing. Now, you mentioned Darius Slay's interception. Mm -hmm. And last week in the locker room, we talked to a lot of the players about why the interceptions just hadn't been coming this year like they have been in years past. I mean, Darius Slay has uh, – been a ball hawk really yeah. and that's why i made the pro bowl last year uh but it just hasn't been coming this year and they've all mentioned that it's harder to get interceptions when you're playing man yeah. and that's kind of a feature of this defense that you know it, you, it's harder to track the ball because you're mainly paying attention to your guy rather than being in zone where you have a little bit bigger view of the field what do you make of that i, I make of it but the thing too is that Tori, that everyone knows that the pass rush is tied in with the coverage too. So the best thing for a cornerback is a good pass rush. And of course, with Ziggy being hurt, it's hard to go zone because we're not getting the pass rush. Remember, you see the quarterbacks, all the quarterbacks, Sam Darnold and all these quarterbacks, they've had all day long to throw against us. I don't know how many games we've had where we've had multiple sacks, but it hadn't been a lot of games. So, you know, you got to be able to get pressure on these quarterbacks because if you sit back in the zone, which is where you can come up with some of those interceptions, basically the offense are going to just find the hole in the zone and he's going to eat you apart. You can't do that. So, again, I know I understand and I agree with some of that, what they're saying, but I think, too, I think the pass rush not being here this year, I think that hurts the corners, too. Ziggy being out, us not, again, getting the pressure that we like to get on these quarterbacks, these quarterbacks being able to extend plays, that puts a lot of pressure on them. And think about some of the quarterbacks they face, too. They haven't faced any slouchy quarterbacks. Aaron, uh, Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, they got Cam coming up. You know, think about some of these quarterbacks Jared they face, Jared Goff. You know, so they these quarterbacks don't make a lot of mistakes, so it's going to be harder, too, for them to get interceptions, too. So I'm not saying that he's wrong, Tory, but there's other things, too, that kind of factor in there is, to me is the reason why they're not getting as many interceptions, too. Well, it's interesting. The Lions actually rank 
fairly highly, I believe, in the top 10 in sacks this year. But it's been kind of more well, isolated incidents. Exactly. It's more – and remember a lot of – if you look at it, our linebacker, Devon um, Kennard, he has like three. And then Eli Harold has several. Jared, yeah, uh, Jared, Jared Davis, Davis has several. Yeah. <laughs> so that's manufacturing where you'll see most teams, their defensive end have like eight or nine of them. And you know what I'm saying? And they're getting a lot of them from their – defensive guys so we've had to manufacture it but it it leaves us a little vulnerable against the pass when you have to rush like that right makes total sense fans will get more with their money this season at ford field stop by one of the many concession stands offering the silver savings value menu combos ten dollars for a hot dog chips and 20 ounce soda or twelve dollars for a hot dog chips and 12 ounce beer these deals are unlike any other concession deals in the d now, Personnel Wise Lines made a couple of changes this week as well, namely releasing Amir Abdullah. Yeah. And in turn, they signed Zach Zinner uh, to the roster. Obviously, a name most people probably know. If you listen to this podcast, yep. you're probably interested enough in the Lions to already know who Zach Zinner is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's a guy who's been here. He was a preseason darling for a couple of years there uh, and spent several years on this roster, but was released uh, earlier this year and uh, because of his injury and now that he is uh, cleared to practice again and cleared to work out again uh, the Lions have signed him back uh, what did you think of those moves I'm thinking more special teams it's exactly my yeah, reaction yeah more special teams more Zach to come here and help us on the special team side because we do need help in that area I, they might have some packages for him in the offense but you know he's kind of limited so you know when Zach comes in Either he's going to run the ball between the tackles or he's in there to block. So, you know, it's, he's real limited. So that's why the first thought to me would be more special teams help and, you know, maybe even from a continuity-wise because he's been here maybe with some of the – because there's a lot of new faces in that locker room, tour. I mean, a lot of new faces. So maybe Zach being a familiar face in there, maybe he can kind of help with some continuity um, in the locker room too. Yeah, and seeing Amir Abdullah go is, is a tough one. Uh, he's a great guy. Yeah. He was always great for us to work with, uh, but it just didn't seem to be yeah. fitting for him. Uh, had that really tough fumble a couple yes. of weeks ago, and uh, the Lions just have so many running backs on the roster right now that Zach Zinner is more of uh, somebody who's going to help you in coverage on special teams, mm-hmm. which is what they really need yes. help in right now. And Amir Abdullah wasn't playing in coverage. He played a returner some. Uh, but he wasn't going to help be able to help you in coverage, and I think that that's really what gave Zach Zinner the edge there. So you know the old saying, the grass ain't always greener on the other <laughs> side. It might be for a mirror. You know, it, it might. might it might be. It might be a team that could use this skill set. And you never know. You know, you like you say, you hate to see a guy go because I like the mirror too. He was. He's always a respectful guy to me. You mm-hmm. know. Uh, so I've always liked them, but maybe this might be his opportunity. Again, Cleveland Browns cut me in my 15th year. And if they wouldn't have cut me, Tori, I would have never got to my first Super Bowl. So, mm. I mean, that was the lowest point, them cutting me. I'm like, Cleveland, of all teams, they cut me. <laughs> the first time I've ever been cut. But, again, at the end of the year, I went to my first Super Bowl. So, you know, for a mirror, you know, like I said, sometimes the grass is green on the other side. That's not a bad deal, though, man. Yeah, it wasn't. I was Tell me about it, Tori. And I was signed for three years in Cleveland. So, they released me. They say I was too much of a locker room lawyer. 
Because, what does that uh, mean? Meaning all the young guys, you know, they would come and ask you, is this how the NFL is supposed to be? And I'm telling them, no, because we were uh, bad. The coaching, the coach head coach was bad. It wasn't a good situation in Cleveland, as you've seen since they've come back. You've seen how it's been. And so they said they considered me too much of a locker room lawyer. So they I had can start to, calling you that on the yeah, podcast, man, or locker yeah. room lawyer. Like, wow. <laughs> so they had to part ways with me. Another fact, guess who was on that team? I was starting that left tackle. Chris Spielman was starting that middle linebacker. Oh, hey. Jerry Ball was starting that <laughs> nose guard on that team. So I know a couple of those names. Lions. Yeah, <laughs> three Lions that was, was on that team. So, Amir, if you're listening, man, you never know. You just never know. I love that metaphor for life, though. Yeah. Something really bad happened. It was tough. You didn't yep. see the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. Right around the corner, something good came. It did, Tor- and Tori. They called me after Cleveland call, uh, cut me over the phone. They cut me. So I'm driving back to Detroit. Coach Fossil from the Giants called me 30 minutes later. And I was like, Coach, no, I think this is my 15th year. I'm 30-something years old. I think I'm going back and shutting it down. He said, Lomas, just come. Just come visit. That's all I want you to do. Oh, wow. And the rest was history. So, again, like you say, don't ever close that door. Just, you know, look at it. You can leave it open and look in there. You don't have to go in there. You can peek <laughs> in there. I went and peeked. I like what I seen in there. So the rest worked out for me. Well, your low moment only lasted 30 minutes. Yeah, so yeah, you, you didn't have to yeah. deal with it for too long. But... Yeah. In the grand scheme of life, I just right. like that metaphor. Right. So thank you for that life lesson. Look at Lomas bringing the essential oils I and the know, life huh? lessons See, today. That's what they energize and the essential oils will <laughs> do for you. Have me just thinking and coming up with life lessons. Oh, it's too good. It's too good. I wish you guys could be here to see this. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's turn the page to the Chicago Bears yes. this weekend. Uh, Lions are playing the Bears twice in 12 days. They will play them on Sunday and then they will play the Panthers next Sunday and then the Bears will visit Ford Field on Thursday. So that's a 12-day span that they will face the same team in 12 days. Yes. Have you ever had that in your career? I don't think so, Tori. I, I can't remember. I might have, but no. That, and that's tough. No, I take that back. Um, and it was we played Green Bay the last game of the season to get in the playoffs, beat them, and then we had to play them the first playoff game ah. that very next week. So it's a little different than yeah, that yeah, scenario. Yeah. But well, I have done something similar to that, and that that's tough, especially, like you say, a Chicago uh, conference team that knows you already, that's familiar with you, a team that's going to come in thinking that they should beat us. Um, I'm telling you, that's how Chicago's thinking. They're thinking that they're coming there after the performance they had, we have to beat this team. So it's going to be a tough task in Chicago. And it's actually, you know, again, I don't know how the weather is going to be. I don't know any of those outside Cold. factors. Cold. Huh? I don't know all those outside <laughs> factors. But I know they're going to have to deal with the Chicago Bears being a confident team against the Detroit Lions. Yeah, it's interesting reading the news articles out of Chicago this week and uh, just just different perspectives than we've usually seen from Chicago media because their team is playing so well this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, they there was an article I read about uh, needing to get Jordan Howard going on the ground, and their opportunity to do that was against the Lions because their run defense has struggled so much. 
section. The Lions were occupying the spot at the bottom of the NFC North that the Chicago Bears have usually occupied. Uh, so it, it's tough, and the Lions don't want to be in that spot anymore. They want to move out of it. So they want to get this win this weekend, but the Bears uh, feel like they're in control because they have been so good in the in the division uh, this year. So it'll be interesting to see how this one plays out, but looking ahead to that Thanksgiving Day matchup, I think it's really interesting and tough for the Bears that the NFL flexed the Bears-Vikings game to Sunday night football. So now they have to play Sunday night, and on Thursday. Yeah. That's a tough turnaround. That is. And I'm quite sure Chicago, their administration is going to send in something to the NFL about that. Because you're right. That is. Especially having the Sunday night game. I mean, it's only a few wow. hours, but it makes a huge difference. Absolutely, Tori. That throws your preparation off. So, I don't know what Chicago's going to do. I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they just came on over, you know, after the game or something like that and hmm. just stayed here. I mean, because that is, that's tough for them to handle. And, again, that's why I think it could be so important for the Lions if they want to get this season back on track. It's like you said, that's the perfect opportunity. Chicago having the Sunday night game, too. If the Lions can go to Chicago and win that game, somehow win that game, that I think, think it puts them in an advantageous um, position when they come here Thanksgiving to win that game and stuff. And especially what you would do to uh, Chicago's psyche, if you go into Soldier Field and win it, and keep them from doing what they want to do because you're right. They got to be looking at Kalia Mack coming back. Mm-hmm. That's a big took one. Ten sacks. So you know everybody along that D line is licking their chops right now about looking at the uh, Detroit Lions offensive line. And the same way with their offensive line, looking at our defensive line. Other than Snacks, because he's a beast now. Snacks, that's my guy. He <laughs> is a beast. But if you look at the high-risk defensive line, if I'm Chicago, I want to come in and run the ball. That's what I want to do. I don't want Mitchell Trubisky to have to win the game for me. So it's going to be tough. Yeah, it definitely will. Well, we will see what ends up happening. Thanksgiving is always important. We'll we'll talk about that one eventually. Yes. But, you know, Thanksgiving Day, kind I of know. the Lions like to own that one. It's I their know. game. That's right. So uh, if you can get a head start on the Bears this week, it sets you up well for a Thanksgiving Day matchup against them. So we'll see what happens. But before we close out, of course, we got to do Uh-oh. our podcast trivia. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> you brought the you brought the theme music there yourself it is. this week. There it is. I'm a bring it. I'm, I'm telling you, man, the essential oils got me on the roll this week. <laughs> Every time he says essential yeah. oils, he waves them around in the air. So it's pretty great over here. So this week for the podcast trivia question. Usually we do a question on the upcoming matchup, but mm. thought we'd switch it up this week because okay. this was a pretty uh, monumental moment in Lions history that happened on Sunday. If you follow uh, special teamers, long snapper Don Muehlbach, pretty important guy around here. Okay. He's, he's been a staple. He moved into second place behind Jason Hansen on the Lions' all-time games played list last week. Wow, so second okay. most Congrats. games played for the Lions, Don Muehlbach. I like Milbach. Don, man. Congrats, Don. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> that's a big, that's a big that move. That is. That's huge. Yeah, wow. Yeah, so here's the trivia question. Who did he pass to move into second? Mm-hmm. Jason Hansen in first, Don Muehlbach in second. Now who's in third? Who did he pass to get into second place? That's a good question there. That's 
this week's trivia question. So if you know the answer, make sure you tweet it to at Lions and you could win a Lions prize pack. We love seeing you guys participate in trivia every week. And I love getting your tweets when you when you figure out the answer. It lets me know you guys have already listened to the podcast. The podcast will be up for 30 minutes and I'll already have a tweet that gives me the trivia question answer. I love it. So you guys make sure you're sending those trivia question answers in and rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. And we'll back, be back here next week. See you then.